Okay. Hi guys, welcome to POV or My Therapist, the podcast where I vent, you listen, and you do not get paid. We're going to start this podcast with a deep ancestral sigh because your girl is just really going through it. Um, before we even like get into the topic of today's conversation, uh, which is an in-depth conversation about mental health that I've been wanting to have for a while and is just feeling a lot more pertinent now, I do want to do some housekeeping. <laughs> right off the bat today, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to hit the follow button, okay? There's a follow button. I need you to follow this podcast. And same thing if you're listening on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, follow the podcast so that you will be notified every time there's a new episode out, okay? So do that for me, please. And I will love you forever. Um, Also, leave a like and a rating while you're here. And um, what else? Yeah, same thing. If you're on YouTube, uh, subscribe right off the bat. Hit that notification bell so you know when I post. And follow me on the socials. Instagram and Twitter are both VinePhilo, V-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-O. And the TikTok is Dphile, D-P-H-I-L-E. And also stay until the end of the podcast to learn the secret phrase, okay? There's a secret phrase that I do every week. Um, and that's kind of like why my comments are like look a little crazy sometimes. Last week it was we made it. So thank you for everybody that commented we made it. I saw you guys. I responded. I said hi. So stay till the end of this podcast um, to learn the secret phrase. Okay. Um, so a couple of things that I'm going to just list off right off the bat. Uh, before I even get into this, because it's like, it's important information about the topic. I really want to talk about mental health, like, like flat out, just talk about it and my journey with it. And I know like this is a mental health podcast in a way. And like, I've talked about it a little bit here and there, but I've really felt like there is a serious conversation that we need to have about it because I'm, I'm noticing a lot and like, I'm, I'm kind of getting like nervous, like not for me, but just for our, like our, my peers and I, and I, I just need to talk. Okay. I just need to talk. We need to talk about it. Um, so right before we get into this, I am going to talk about suicide and I'm going to talk about really like deep mental health crises. So if that's triggering to you, go listen to another episode, um, that doesn't have the same trigger warning. And right before, um, I get into it. I want to give you guys some resources that have been helpful in my mental health journey. So just so you guys have them and just so I don't forget to list them off later because I do be doing it. So the first one is the number for the suicide prevention hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. The next thing that I want to give you guys is the do not call the police.com website. So this website basically it's if you're having a mental health crisis, if you're having a housing crisis, if you're having a sexual assault crisis, if you're having any kind of crisis, youth, elderly, this is basically community resources that are listed off online by your city and by topic. LGBTQIA, all of it is in there. Is there? They have resources for everything, and it is a great spreadsheet. It lists off all the numbers for all the different cities. I just went through the Atlanta one, and it lists off all of these shelters, everything that you can need in the midst of a 
crisis and that website is do is don't d-o-n-t call the police.com it's really great i just looked through it great okay the last bit of information is about therapy itself um, so I got started in therapy. I've mentioned this before through therapy for black girls. And what they did was I went and I applied online and they gave me free vouchers for therapy. They gave me eight vouchers and, um, and I, and they were free and I used them and I was so lucky to get them. And I felt, I've, I've really felt lucky. So I'm happy that this is why this is happening. This is why we're here right now, friends. Um, because of therapyforblackgirls.com. So I would definitely go on there, apply, get some vouchers. Um, they have a database of black therapists that you can look through, which was so helpful in finding, well, I kind of knew the therapist that I wanted to have and she worked with me and I was so lucky to have her because I was her first client in that, um, in the group that she was working with. So I was her first client, so she was super open and receptive to taking the Therapy for Black Girls um, vouchers. And so I felt super lucky. So I didn't even have to use their database because I know who I wanted. Um, and and um, I lost my train of thought real quick. And so that that was how that worked. Um, the uh, There's another one called Other People Fund. And that one, I've never personally tried it, but I've seen good things about it. So I would definitely look into that. So it's therapyforblackgirls.com and other people fund. Um, so look into those resources, really utilize them. I know like it can be draining and it can be frustrating, but I think honestly, a lot of the time you just have to start. Okay. Um, those are two resources for getting free therapy or aid with therapy. The last thing that I want to mention, which I've mentioned this before, and because a lot of people do not know this, if you are uninsured and you're self-pay and, um, or you're just wanting to go to a therapist that's outside of your network, you can ask the therapist that you want to see if they work on a pay scale. Um, you will have to pay the initial intake fee, which tends to be maybe $250, and which is pricey, it's a lot, but that's like just a flat out fee that you have to pay anyways. And after that, you can talk to them beforehand and see if they work on a pay scale. Sometimes that pay scale is 40% off. Sometimes it's 50% off. There's therapists that have done it as much as 70% off. So they, and they have a certain number, they have a certain number of pay scale patients that they take. And, um, and yeah, so do that. And because it's helpful, it's really helpful. And you never know if you don't ask, okay? So, now that that is out of the way, <laughs> now that that is out of the way, um, I wanted to talk about this because on Twitter especially, I've seen a lot of, you know, like tweets memorializing friends and a lot of them have been suicides and one that like really struck me the other day was for this girl. Um, I don't remember her name cause I tried not to look at it for too long, but she had posted on Instagram, basically her suicide note. And then by the time she posted, like she'd already, um, she'd already passed and that like things like that, like always send like a shiver down my spine because I know how fragile mental health is and I know how fragile my mental health is and and I always like worry that am I doing enough to 
to keep myself here essentially and are the things that I'm doing like productive for that and in that way and seeing that and then seeing there was a girl in January who um January there was a a girl named Chesley Christ who committed suicide and like and that and that really like I don't know like I I don't know like it it like you see people and a lot of times like it seems like they have it you know it seems like they have it all together it seems like they are living their best life like they're doing all the things they want to do and then you know something like this happens and it's very confusing and it's very jarring I think jarring is the word it's very jarring and her death was very jarring to me um and also like just in the manner of which she died and like And the fact that, like, every once in a while, like, I kid you not, like, her YouTube videos will come up on my recommendations or her TikTok videos will come up on my For You page still. And it it just, it, it, it's very, it's very jarring and it's very upsetting. And it's, and you always ask, like, what makes somebody do that? Like, what brings somebody to that point? It's like hopelessness. It's, it's feeling like nothing is worth it. Like, it's feeling so alone like very very alone and like and just feeling like you're in this dark pit and like you can't get out like no matter how hard you try and like there is obviously a chemical aspect to this like that happens in your brain there's a lot but I think there's especially since the pandemic began I think there's a lot of people who did not have mental health issues at the start of the pandemic who the pandemic really was the tipping point for them or maybe they were just keeping it together and then the pandemic happened and it just really set a lot of people over the edge and I know I was one of those people I was one of those people I felt a different kind of depression when the pandemic like was happening and especially towards the latter end of 2021 I'm sorry uh, at the latter end of 2020 I I it was different it was just different and I have I've been depressed for most of my life like that's just a fact about it um I think for the longest time I didn't realize that I was depressed or I didn't think it was that bad. It's not that I didn't think that I was depressed. Is that I think I didn't think it was that bad. Like I thought like I was doing okay. Like I thought that I was keeping it together. Like I thought I very much thought that how I felt was normal. And I felt like that for honestly the majority of my life. Like I remember one time I was talking to my sister. And my sister was like, um, we, I brought it up. And she was like, you were just a very unhappy child. And I was like, when you say unhappy child, like what do you mean? Like, what ages are you talking about? She was like, Divine, like, you've been depressed since you were, like, four. And I'm like, I I really was taken back by that. Because I was like, what do you mean I've been depressed since I was four? Like, how is a four-year-old fucking depressed? Like, what? And she was like, yeah. She was like, nothing made you happy. Like, you were you were very unsatisfied. And she was like, and not in a way that was like, you know, like a kid that's bratty and unsatisfied. She was like, nothing made you happy. Like, you just did not feel happy. And, and I think like, as I got older, like I, you know, I can remember being sad is what I would call it. Cause I didn't realize the terminology for being depressed, but I remember like being sad at eight, at nine, at 10, definitely being sad from like 12 to fucking 18. 
was extremely sad. And I've touched upon it before, like, in, like, random TikToks and stuff, but, like, I self-harmed for a number of years. Like, in, um, high school, I was self-harming. I think I started self-harming when I was, like, maybe 12. And I don't know why I did it, but I just know that I did it. I, actually, I do know why I did it. I was very frustrated, and, like, and it was an outlet and all of these things. Um, but I, I did that for a number of years, and I, I stopped when I was in, I want to say when I was like maybe 18. So I was self-harming from like 12 to 18 and it got really bad when I was like 14 years old. Cause that I was very depressed then. And, and it's weird because like, as you have your life and like you go through the cycles of your life, you can, they have different flavors and they have different colors. And it's like, I kind of separate these, these, these times by like, whether I was in grade school, high school, middle school, whatever. But I was depressed during all that time. But they just affected me differently. They felt different. And I don't know why that is, but it just affected me differently. And and even now, I'm still a depressed person. I'm clinically depressed. Um, but it is something that I have the tools to deal with. It's something that I have the tools to deal with. I have an outlet to deal with it. I have built a life at trying to sustain myself through being a depressed person. You know what I'm saying? Um, I hope you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm trying to make sense. It's hard to talk about. It's weird. I have the language to talk about it, but I feel like I'm still not maybe, uh, explaining myself very well. So, um, yeah, but throughout, and, and when I was in high school, I definitely did not have the outlet to deal with my depression. I had Tumblr, which was not that helpful. Uh, there were pro Anna blogs. There were pro self-harm blogs. It was like pro everything that you didn't need pro. Hey, Tumblr was very bad for my mental health. I will say that. And then Lana Del Rey came out. Not to go on a tangent, I'm sorry. But Lana Del Rey came out and that bitch really... <laughs> Lana Del Rey came out. And when I tell you, she was like a yummy, delicious depression blanket, bitch. Oh my God. She gave my depression a soundtrack. <laughs> I'm choking. Like this bitch gave my depression a soundtrack. Okay. I remember being depressed as hell, listening to Shades of Blue, watching her make out with this old ass man on my floor. Oh, no, she wasn't on my floor. I was sitting on my floor making my depression paintings, just being depressed. And this bitch really was the soundtrack of my depression. And you know what? I appreciate her for it because it, you need stuff to like stimulate you in whatever way when you're going through that kind of stuff. And she was very stimulating for me. She really was. And honestly, I know I just talked a lot of shit about Tumblr, but I really think what kept me going, I'm not even kidding y'all. Like, I really think what kept me going throughout this time was a lot of the One Direction fandom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not trying to get off topic. But there were things that got me through this time. And... And the fandom was one of them. Fan fiction was one of them. Because at the end of the day, when I was, when I, when, when I, I, I went through a whole day of being depressed, of being sad, of being overstimulated, 
and going home and I had respite. I had a relief. I had a place where I could really check out my brain and just fall for hours in a different life that was just so much better than mine. And I could read and I could feel people's emotions that were not just one-toned sadness. So if you wrote One Direction fan fiction at any time, I thank you because you probably helped me stay alive. Like, I'm not kidding. And I know that, like, that's silly, but, like, and that's the the thing. Like, there's still, I'm still, I'm going to be funny as I talk through this because I, there's no other way to get through this conversation. I I can't, I don't want to sit here and be fully serious because there are parts of this that are funny and it's just going to have to be funny. Um, Even though it's a very serious conversation, I think it makes this pill easier to swallow. But... So during that time, hit this, during that time, read a lot of fan fiction, wrote a lot of fan fiction, listened to a lot of music. I was listening to, I think I had music in my head all the time because I couldn't, I didn't want to be quiet. Like I couldn't be quiet in my head because I would think bad thoughts. I would want to hurt myself. And I went through that a lot and I called the suicide hotline multiple times. I don't even remember what I said. I think I was crying too much to get a word out. Um, I had a friend named Nora at the time that I met through Tumblr. And she gave me her number. I remember she lived in Boston. She gave me her number and she was like, if you ever feel that way, um, just call me. And I did. And I called her every time. And because she really wanted me to stop self-harming. So every time I wanted to self-harm, she was like, just call me and we'll talk. And I don't remember what we talked about, but I remember that that started helping, uh, you why am I getting emotional? <laughs> don't do that. Um, but, <clears throat> goddamn. <laughs> Shit. But, um, she helped me get through that point. Like, she helped me get, you know, kind of like separating myself from, not my dog barking, she started helping me separate myself from wanting to do that every time I was sad. So, you know, then it became, I just, you know, I was like, all right, I'm not going to do this for a week. I'm not going to do this for a day. And then I stopped doing it. And, um, I stopped doing it overall. And, you know, like as the years went by, like I had some slip ups and stuff, but it never felt, it never, the slip ups never gave me the same satisfaction as it did before because I think my mind had started to know better my mind has started to know better so oh my god that was a lot to get out I'm so sorry (laughs) that was a lot to get out but this is the thing that I've been thinking about a lot recently so recently after giving that little rundown of like my emotional background very open and vulnerable (laughs) but recently what I've been thinking about a lot is that you know the pandemic pushed me into really taking care of my mental health I had to I really had to I was spending a lot of time alone and what really tipped me over the edge was my mom got COVID at the end of 2020 and I had to spend my birthday alone and I was talking to this guy at the time and it was like kind of long distance and like I just felt extremely lonely 
And I remember, like, the bare minimum of what he was doing was, like, so much for me because it was just enough to grab onto. And I remember I was, like, so sad. Like, I was turning 25. I was turning 25, and, and it was just, I was like, this is really the worst birthday I've ever had. Um, my friendships were falling apart. I, you know, I was unemployed, not doing anything. Stuff with my book was just not, nothing was working out. Nothing was working out. And then my mom got COVID and she was in the hospital and I, I was alone. I spent my birthday by myself and I was just so sad and I was full of despair and I, and I was full of just sadness, like so much palpable sadness And I was like, I need to figure this out. I need to do something because I want to (laughs) die. I was like, I want to die. Like, I want to go to sleep and never wake up again. And and I knew, like, that wasn't a normal feeling. And I knew I didn't want to feel that way. And and I would, like, often think, like, what would people think, like, if I did that? And I would be like, I'd be embarrassed. Mm, Don't do that. That's embarrassing. Don't do that to yourself. So... It got to the point where I was just, I think I was just fed up. I was just tired of being tired. And I finally, I was like, all right, I'm going to apply for this. And hopefully I get it, which was the therapy for black girls. And I was like, I'm going to apply for this and hopefully I get it. And if I don't get it, I don't really know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure something out. I had my reservations about going to therapy. Therapy had started kind of being normalized um, like through social media and like my friends talking about it, but I still had my reservations because I grew up with an ultra Christian upbringing and a lot of ultra Christian people do not believe in therapy. They don't believe in psychiatric help. They tell you that Jesus can fix you. And I remember like being at really a low point in my life and, and my mom telling me that Jesus can help me. And I was like, that nigga ain't here. He's not here. I want to fucking drive into a tree every day. And you're telling me that that man can fucking help me. I feel abandoned. Like, I feel abandoned by him. And for you to tell me that that's who I need to connect with is a slap in the fucking face. Well, yeah, when I, do, when I do do it and I end it, yeah, you can go talk to him and he can explain why I did that. like that's really how I was feeling and I was feeling a lot of rage and animosity every time somebody told me to seek religion because I was like that's not helpful for me like I've tried it and it hasn't worked so like what the fuck do you mean seek religion and I knew that the reason why she said that was because there's a lot of judgment still about going to therapy about needing a psychiatrist because I I knew that, like, and I'm pretty sure she'd said it before that, you know, like, stuff like, no kid of mine is going to go to therapy. Like, what does that look like? Like, what does that look like? Like, you're not, no, you're fine. You don't need that. You're not insane. Like, you're not an insane person. You're fine. You're fine. You just need to pray. Like, you're being dramatic. You're ne- you need to pray. Stop. Like, it was very much that attitude. And I knew that it was because, like, she was thinking, like, what would my family think? Like, what would our friends at church think? Like, it was that. Like, it was very much that. So when the time came for me to start going to therapy, I felt like I was defying her. Which is a very scary thing when you have somebody who tells you basically that Jesus can see everything that you do, you know? So 
it felt like an act of defiance to seek help for myself and I had to literally just close my eyes and be like fuck it I don't care you can be mad at me and I remember like you know like when you can see somebody is like judging you and I remember like when I finished when I had my first therapy session at the end of my first therapy session when I cried like hell don't even think I got a word out I was just crying I remember her being like, oh, how did your therapy session go? And her wanting to be supportive, but still having those negative connotations with people who seek therapy like that they were crazy. So I remember that. And it's, 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 it's as time has gone by and there's been a very obvious change in myself and my demeanor that she's become literally an advocate for therapy for everybody and their fucking mother. So, um, but for a while it felt like an act of defiance and even recently having to see a psychiatrist when, you know, I've been in therapy for almost two years now and, and I, and I was using all of my coping mechanisms. Okay. She was using all of her coping mechanisms, the basket of coping mechanisms in her hands. And she was picking them up one by one, trying to better, trying to feel better. It, it was like, let's do a breathing exercise. Oh, not working? All right, on to the next. Let's do a fucking meditation. Oh, no? All right, out of the basket. Let's do some self-talk right now. Let's do some affirmations. No? Okay, let's do that. Let's do some self-reassurance. No? Girl, I was going through the basket. I was going through the self-help basket and none of it was working. And I was like, and it works. And that's the thing, like it... It worked to the point of keeping me stable and being aware enough to know. Yeah, I think like being aware enough to know that it was not enough. I think what talk therapy has done for me throughout the years has been giving me the awareness to know when I'm truly not okay where I I can know that I this is not something you fuck with. It gives me the reasoning that I need to make wise decisions about myself objectively and without judgment. And let me tell you something. Doing that, having those ability that having that ability, having that ability has been life-changing. It really has cuz it, it plays into everything. And it was at that point of having reason that I was like, okay, I think we need more than that. So, went to see a psychiatrist and at first I thought I had ADHD. No, I got diagnosed, well, with clinical depression, duh. But then with, um, uh, actually like a disorder that fucks up my brain and, you know, doesn't help me on my day to day basis. It was, well, it was explaining my mood swings. It was explaining a whole lot of shit. So she, you know, I was very nervous about medication and I think I even met it, mentioned that before and I was really nervous. I was very scared. Um, I was very scared to get on medication and honestly, I haven't been on medication for long, but I was very scared of it. And cause you know, I have a cousin who she's got a lot going on and I see how she is when she's on her meds and I see how she is when she's not on her meds. And it's very scary. Um, So I was like just very afraid because seeing my cousin who has, she's got, she, she's got a lot. 
I don't even know how to describe it. She's got a lot. Like, she's got a whole lot. And seeing how jarring it's been to deal with her and how traumatic it's been to deal with her, um, I think a part of me didn't want to put myself in the same category as her because she needs medicine to be sane. So I had those negative connotations and I was thinking to myself, I'm just as crazy as her. If I got to be on pills, I'm just as, I'm, I'm just as bad. Like I'm, my mental shit is just as bad. What's keeping me from spiraling and becoming her? Like what's, what's really the, the point of like, what's the point of difference here? And I was very nervous about that. And I really had to talk myself out of it. And I was like, girl, when you're sick, you take a Tylenol. That doesn't, just because you take a Tylenol, there's a cancer patient taking a combination of pills. Does that make you a cancer patient? No, it doesn't. It it, it means that you're a person who took a Tylenol because you had a headache. So get over it. I had to reason with myself. And I had to really take... I had to really take the super negative thoughts out of my head. And I had to realize that at the end of the day, my well-being is what fucking matters. And it doesn't matter how I get there. It really doesn't. If it meant taking a shot on in the ass every day to feel fine, would I not do that? I would. And my mental health is no different. So I was like, all right. Went to the psychiatrist. She gave me medicine. Started taking it. Why am I fine now? Why? Like, why? Like, my mood swings are... I don't have them. I feel motivated. It's not hard for me to live. Like, it's not difficult for me to... I clean my depression room. I clean my depression room. I've been in the depression room for, like, three months, Okay. I cleaned my depression room. I got work done. I'm able to focus. Like, it's been so helpful. And, like, and even the other day, my mom was, like, I testifying to my fucking aunt. And she was, like, y'all need to normalize this stuff in your household. Because I think some of our kids need it. She was, like, if you told me, like, three months ago that a little fucking pink pill was going to be the reason why Divine is able to get everything she wants to do done in a day. I would never fucking believe you. Y'all, I was having the hardest time getting out of bed before noon. And, like, not just because I was lazy. I was sleeping, like, 13 hours. I just couldn't do it. Like, I did not have enough serotonin in this body. And now I'm about fucking seven. Acting a fool. Cutting a rug. Acting out twerky shaking ass being a baby like you know it it makes the difference we're putting so much pressure on ourselves and I just literally just want to take a minute to remind everybody that we are in a pandemic number one okay we're in the age of social media of mass connection which is not a good thing okay there's a stress everywhere. There's so much violence. There's so much 
negativity everywhere. The economy is fucked. Everything is fucked. Everything is really fucked. And I'm not saying that like to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm saying that so you can stop putting so much fucking pressure on yourself. There's no big deal about having a little bit more patience with yourself, about giving yourself a breather, about taking some of that pressure that we've put on ourselves off. We didn't ask to be here, okay? We was supposed to be eating fruit fucking under the stars. Instead, we got to be looking for jobs and paying bills on a planet that we, like, why are we paying bills to live on a planet that we don't have a fucking option of being on? Like, give yourself a bit of grace. That's it. That's it. Give other people a bit of grace. Be more empathetic towards people. Be kinder towards other people. Be grateful for the things that we have and mostly the relationships that we have. Like, love on your friends. Be there for your friends. Crack your heart open and just give love and take love as it comes. Because life is just too fucking hard to do anything else. When I tell you my life has been so much easier, the the fucking moment I decided that, you know, I'm not going to be embarrassed about giving love. I'm not going to be nonchalant (laughs) I'm gonna be very chalant (laughs) I'm gonna be so chalant okay I'm gonna care because I'm a fucking person because I have feelings because I'm a human I don't care about looking cool I don't care if I give you love and you find that weird that's your problem Okay, I'm going to give love every day because it makes me feel alive, because it makes me feel good. And whether you accept it or not, that's on you. And I pity people who can't accept love because it is one of the most wonderful things to feel on this planet. I used to feel so weird about telling my friends that I love them because I had been hurt before, you know, I've been hurt. We've all been hurt. I had a lot of emotional problems growing up. I was very emotionally unavailable. So I remember having moments where I felt so, I froze when my friends would be like, I love you. I'd be like, this is too serious. This is really serious. I can't do this. And I would probably stop talking to them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, I'm like, I love you. (laughs) I love you so much. I love you. Like, every conversation starts off with, oh my God, my beautiful baby angel, I love you so much. How are you doing today? Did you eat? Are you good? Are you happy? I love you so much. Can you feel my love emitting to you? Because I have so much of it to give you. And I have just felt so much better since I have been open about giving my love. And that was really a decision I had to make when I sent that man that fucking gift and he just absolutely shitted on my heart. And I, w- I thought to myself, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to give people things. I don't want to give har- parts of myself to people if they're just going to fucking take it for granted. That really hurt. 
And it was really hard for me to move past that. But then it got to a point where I was like, I really enjoyed giving that stuff to him. I loved it. It made me feel so good going to the store, thinking about him buying these things that I thought maybe he would like. The problem is he didn't know how to receive that. That's The problem is not me doing it. So since then, I don't give a fuck. I'll buy you some, girl. I saw this. I thought of you. Like the other day, I was like feeling really low. And I called my friend and I was crying. And you know, like when you get the cry out and like there's nothing else left to say. So you're both just kind of quiet on FaceTime, just doing whatever else you need to do in the room. And I... And I, I finished crying. I was still sad. I kept sighing dramatically, deep ancestral sighs. And I said to her, I was like, girl, I'm so sorry. I'm sad. Like, I really, I wish I could be happy right now. But like, I'm really sorry. I feel so sad. And she was like, it's okay. She was like, I love you when you're sad because I know you when you're happy. When I tell you, I really almost died inside. <laughs> Because that was one of the nicest things that somebody had ever said to me. Because it was so real. You don't just stop loving people when they're sad because it's like weird. No, you take them at all their times. You take them when they're happy. You take them when they're sad. You roll with the punches. You go through it with them. And I felt so supported then in a way that I had not felt before. And, And I felt so loved. And I was like, wow. The reason why she's able to say that to you so easily and without a second thought in her head is because you've been open, you've been loving, you've been giving love and she knows how to give love and she knows how to receive it. And like that meant the world to me. But on the other hand, there are so many people who are going through so much all the fucking time. Like there are so, there's so much going on in the world and so many of us are so sad. We are, and we, so much of it is just, we just want to connect to other people. But it's so hard because we've been hurt. We don't know how to move on from that hurt. We don't know how to be open again. We don't know how to, how to be shameless about being human. And it's like just, Just start expressing how you feel. You will feel better. When you're sad, say I'm sad. Like take it back to kindergarten. If you're happy, say I'm happy. If you're sad, say you're sad. If you're mad, say you're mad. Like and I'm I'm like watching a lot of this stuff and I'm like it's it's making me so sad because I'm like so much of this would be so it wouldn't get to the point of us feeling like we need to hurt ourselves if we could just express how we feel, if we didn't live in a culture that made it uncool to express how we feel. And that's why, like, I I really want you guys to understand if you need to talk to somebody, find help, find a therapist, find a counselor. Friends aren't enough. Friends are not trained professionals. They don't know how to talk to you through a crisis. They're support. They're good to lean on. They really help you. But you cannot 
let your emotional stability into the hands of somebody who, if they accidentally say the wrong thing, can just shove you off the deep end. You need a professional. And there are professionals for a reason. Your friend's mom, who's a good listener, is not a professional. She may have great life advice. That's great. That's a supplement. But you need a therapist. If you feel like you are out of control, find a therapist. Find a psychiatrist. If you feel that something's wrong, something is probably wrong. You know yourself better than anybody else. And that's what you have to constantly remind yourself. You know yourself better than anybody else. And fuck what anybody else thinks. If they think that you're crazy, so what? Maybe you are. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to be the crazy bitch that got help. While everybody's too busy thinking about how it looks if they go get help. You can call me crazy any day. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. I'd rather be crazy happy, crazy sane, crazy happy any day of the fucking week. Rather than dying inside because I'm scared of what people think. Because I'm scared of what people in my church think. That, I, that, I'm, that I'm fucking clinically depressed. That I have other diagnoses. That I take medication. I don't care. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, it's my little life. It's my little life. And I have to do the best that I can to make my little life livable. Because the outside people is not making it livable for me. I'm a fat black girl. You think anybody's trying to make my life easier? No. No. So I got to make it easier for me. And I have to say fuck what anybody thinks about Divine. At the end of the day, that little bit of face that you saved by doing what a lot of people deem is socially acceptable... It doesn't help you because you're still suffering at the end of the day. I'm happy now. I feel better now. I feel good now. If I was busy caring about what people thought, I would still be feeling bad. Because I needed to save face. Nobody knows what you are going through. And nobody really truly cares. Because a lot of the times, the same people that have so many opinions about, oh my God, you need a lot of help. Those are the same people that are going to say, oh my God, I wish she had talked to me. I wish I had known she was so depressed. I wish she could she could have came to me. She could have talked to me. No, she couldn't have. Because she watched you talk. She watched you say disparaging things. About people who had mental illnesses. She watched you make light of people's mental struggles. Of people's mental history. So no, she was never going to talk to you. She was never going to be open with you. You were never really going to be able to be there for her in the way that she needed. I think the thing that I I actually think about a lot. Because I think about my religion a lot too much probably um and all the time I find myself wondering not what would Jesus do but what would Jesus think because I kind of live in fear of that man um and it and it can be quite crippling sometimes 
all the time when I, you know, when I, I think about like my mental health struggles and I think about the resources that I have available to me. And I have people say shit like, seek God and you'll be fine. When I have people say stuff like that to me, I remind myself that God gave somebody the inspiration, the smarts, the ability to diagnose, to go through med school, to find the right amount of chemicals to make a tiny little medication that I get to swallow very conveniently every morning and that gives me serotonin out the ass to get through the day. That is a miracle. That is a miracle all on its own. There is God in there. There's God in that. God exists and he gives people the smarts, the intelligence to do all of the things that are so beneficial, that are so beneficial for all of us every day that we get to be ungrateful for. There's always that story and I never know where it comes from, but that story about a man that his ship has sunk and he's lost at sea and he's praying and he says, God, help me. Come help me. Come help me. God sends a ship. He sends the ship away. He says, no, I'm waiting for God to come save me. And he prays and he prays and he's like, God, save me. God, save me. God, save me. And on the fourth day, a helicopter comes and they say, do you need help? And he goes, no, I'm good. I'm waiting for God to come save me. Then on the seventh day, he dies because he's been lost at sea for seven days. And then he gets to heaven and he's like, God, why didn't you come save me? And God is like, girl, I sent you a fucking boat, a ship, and a helicopter. I tried to save you. The reason why I say that story is because I think a lot of the times when it comes to our mental health, we so desperately want to feel better. But we're afraid of the resources that are in front of us. Because they may not look like what we had in mind that could save us. Maybe you never imagined you'd be somebody who needs therapy or who needs a psychiatrist. But if so much time has gone by and you haven't felt better and you've tried so many things, what is wrong with just trying one more thing? It might be the thing that saves you. And I hope it is the thing that saves you. Because honestly, I am so sad and I'm so sick of seeing memorials for these beautiful girls and boys who are ending their lives. It makes me really sad in a way that I so sympathize with because I, at so many different stages of my life, at so many different times, for so many different reasons, could have been me as well. So I don't want anybody to feel like that. I don't want anybody to go through that. There's a, there is honestly a whole other side of this conversation that can be had for the people who have been in this process for a long time, who are still struggling to get through it. And if that's you, keep going, keep fucking going. Okay. I know life is hard and it's so unfair and like, and it's such, it's such an unnecessary blister. Like we is, who, who, who did this? You know what I'm saying? But 
keep going because it might maybe it's not today maybe it's not tomorrow but I really hope that a day comes when you feel okay and where you feel good and you feel happy and at the end of the day that's what I really want for all of us so oh that's the end of that conversation my lord I'm drained but I'm going to, normally, like, I teeter off and, like, oh, fuck, the secret phrase. What's the secret phrase? The secret phrase is Red Bull. Gives you wings. That's the secret phrase today. Red Bull gives you wings. So if you got to the end of this episode, right, Red Bull gives you wings in the YouTube comments, okay? Normally, I, like, teeter off and, like, I, I talk about something else, but I'm fucking tired and I'm, I'm ready to get off here. Um, But... I love you guys so much and I would not have sat here for an hour and had this conversation if I wasn't so madly, deeply, unreasonably in love with each and every one of you. Um, you guys make my world go round and I want your world to keep going round. Okay. Um, so thank you for listening to this week's episode. I know it was a heavy one, but this has just been on my chest and I really felt like I needed to say something because I do have an audience and I've really felt like maybe there was somebody listening to this that really needed to hear this. Um, so if that was you, I love you so much. I love you so much and I hope you feel okay today. I hope you feel my love. I hope you feel my warmth. I hope you feel the sincerity and everything that I've said today. <sighs> I have a fucking scratchy throat. So this is the end of the podcast. If you're listening on Apple, please take a moment to leave a rating or a review. And make sure you follow me on Apple podcast and on Spotify leave a rating if you're listening on Spotify. If you're watching on YouTube, take a moment to leave a like or a comment. Follow. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification bell. If you'd like to follow me on social media, my Instagram is vinephilo, V-I-N-E-P-H-I-L-O. And that is also my Twitter. And my TikTok is defile, D-P-H-I-L-E. And that's it. I love you very much. And I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Mwah.